Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Pagans Tonight Radio Network, the voice of the pagan world. Pagans Tonight is sponsored by Witchschool.com, your anyone, anytime, anywhere magical education. And good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. You're a part of the Ed the Pagan Show on the Pagans Tonight Radio Network. And as you know, this is episode 3103. Wow, it, it, it does sound like a big number, but you know, at, at the end of it, it's just a little bit every day. I want to say a special shout out to Chosen Path and Nethelfleck for the Northeastern Florida Pagan Leadership uh, Coalition on their work last night. As you can see, it's out there. You saw a video on a Facebook page at the Pagan of all their charity work they did last night. And they handed out a number, a large number of uh, blessing bags to the homeless here in Jacksonville, Florida. So I want to give them a very special shout out as they keep the work up and uh, that. And of course, one of the things they did last night was a blessing to Hecate. And I'm very fortunate today. As you know, I've been going on about, you know, 2020, the year of the witch. And one of the people who brought it was a Pathos article by Dr. Cindy Brennan, who's with me today. And um, she writes about the crossroads of personal development and she a lot of magic. Uh, we're going to talk about her best-selling and we, uh, book, keep, uh, Keeping Her Keys. But I'm going to go ahead and just let her talk for herself here. And, and uh, hi, Cindy. Um, hope you can hear me well. I can hear you. Thanks so much for having me, Ed. And so a little bit about, you know, you've uh, done quite a uh, team. You've done a number of things. Um, but why don't you tell us a little bit of, of who, how you identify yourself? I always say, how do you want people to know of you? A little bit of what you'd like to, them to know before we start our conversation. Oh, that's such a good question. Um, who am I? I am a witch. I guess that's how I would identify first and foremost um, mm-hmm. in the public world. In my private life, you know, I'm a woman and a mom, a single mom who lives in a rural coastal fishing village. So I live far off the beaten path. And I had a career in healthcare and uh, university research for 20 years where I am a psychologist by training. So I did a lot of research around women and families and developing self-help programs for them. was always identified as a witch and really developing uh, my, my own path and absorbing everything that was kind of happening in the 90s. You know, I think, Ed, you probably remember the 90s when there were so many books about Wicca and witchcraft and you know, Blackland's books, there was so much happening. So in my personal life, I was taking all this in. And then I had this uh, public life where I was practicing as a psychologist. So I always had a calling to unite these two kind of separate worlds. And a couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to start doing that. So I am a Hecatean witch. I practice Hecatean witchcraft. I honor her as the witch mother. And I uh, cast spells, perform rituals, and do uh, and teach and write about a deeply spiritual witchcraft that is about the journey uh, from healing to wholeness. That is pretty amazing. And um, well, I know for a fact that you were named Blogger of the Year at Pathias Pagan, which is uh, for your blog called Keeping Your Her Keys. And um, it was the article um, that uh, that you wrote was 2020 is the year of the witch. But also, but I also found out, and this is really important, 
Um, you've written a book called Keeping Your Keys, an Introduction to Hecate's Modern Witchcraft. And I understand you, this is a real breakthrough book. It's a, can you explain a little bit about your book and how it's breaking through? Because I think it's always important for us to break through to more larger communities. Um, so Keeping Your Keys came out, I think, oh, it came out last Beltane. That's when it was released, or the Grand Witch's Sabbath, depending on what you call that particular um, cross-quarter day. And since then, it's done really well. It's sold uh, several thousand books. And I just found out that it was the Moon Book best-selling title for 2019. But the really, really interesting thing is that Moon Books is part of this huge publishing conglomerate called John Hunt Publishing. And Keeping Her Key, so they publish novels, they publish Christian books, you know, it's one of these huge conglomerates. And I just found out that Keeping Her Keys was the number three best-selling book, like, for the whole conglomerate, for across all. And that's the first time that that's ever happened. That is actually really impressive because of the fact well, I've been just mentioning, so a lot of what I've been seeing lately, a lot of the, the younger, and I, and I mean younger in the sense of that they're becoming new practitioners, um, not necessarily their age, but the idea of them coming into the system, is a lot of them are very attracted to Hecate, and I've been seeing the keys more so than any other kind of piece out there about um, keeping her keys. Can you explain that a little bit for those who might not know about it? Um about the name keeping her keys yeah i i'm i be honest with uh, to be honest i've seen i have a number of people in in my tradition who have been talking about hecate as, as one of their patrons and then keeping keys but i will tell you i've seen this sort of idea of keeping keys has really grown in the last six months and i'm i'm just barely understanding i'm starting to learn about it but i find it fascinating and so i'm i'm, I'm looking at what does it mean keeping her keys so it has, for me personally, you know, because I wrote the book and I have the blog, and so the blog's been on Patio's Pagan for a little over two years now. And when I mm-hmm. felt, you know, when the, the, the name Keeping Her Keys for the blog came to me, it just felt so right. You know, it was one of those moments. And, and then I thought, well, what does this actually mean, Keeping Her Keys? I had the name before I actually had the need for it. And for me, the meaning of keeping her keys is about keeping the keys of witchcraft, you know, as Hecate, the witch mother, um, opens the doors to those, you know, mysteries and magic and mysticism, all of those things that are part of deep witchcraft. So it's about, you know, she offers those keys to us and we can choose to take them or not. You know, it's all about our free will. Hecate is not a goddess. Um, in my experience and in the thousands of witches I've spoken with that forces things on you. She's not a punitive, restrictive goddess. She's at that crossroads and she's got those keys of hers. And it's up to us to get to the place where we can um, take the keys. Personally, keeping her keys for me is about being a woman. Um, And like I said, I'm a single mother. I come from a modest background. You know, I was the first in my family to go to university. And to me, personally, keeping her keys means I keep the keys to my own life and my own sovereignty, my own practice of witchcraft. You know, it's not about 
prescribing to some other system of belief or letting anyone else kind of have the keys for my life. I, you know, I own my own house. I own my own vehicles. I keep my own keys in a very practical kind of sense. So then I was like, oh, this name, I think, is that was bestowed upon me by, you know, the uh, those mysterious forces, whether you call them Hecate or the Muses or whatever, that it makes so much sense to me to keep keys. And I think that's why so many, so many witches keep keys because keys are symbols of practical power. You know, like I said, I own my own house, have my own cars, um, but they're also keys of the deeper power, you know, the, the, the power that we get when we weave spells or we return to our own inner sacredness, the, the, those spiritual keys as well. And I think that's why so many witches keep keys. As to why in the past couple of years, this has become so such a phenomenon. Um, and, you know, I get, I'm so fortunate that people send me pictures of their keys and their stories of finding keys. And I think it's become such a phenomenon because we're remembering, we're remembering our power. And, you know, the, the, the world of spirit brings us what we're ready for, right? So if we're ready to claim our own power, those keys are going to come to us. And those keys can come to us in, you know, those purely mysterious ways where we're walking down the street and there's a key laying on a road. I have a really cool story of a reader who sent me this key with a heart on it that she found randomly on a road on a day that she was feeling really, um, you know, really kind of sad. There's a lot going on in her life. And, and just so many stories about these keys coming to people and people seeing them as these like talismans um, of being called by Hecate or other spirits. So there is definitely something going on with the keys in terms of um, our return to Hecate, with our return as witches to, to the crossroads. You know, like we've come back to the crossroads. It, it's not, I don't think it's so much like Hecate has come to Iceland. I think spiritually we've come back to the crossroads. I think I have to agree with that. And we're very, I'm very fortunate to have you on in this is the Saturn uh, conjunction of Pluto. Um, in Capricorn, and for those who don't understand, for a lot of people who are astrologers are saying this is literally today. It's like the, as a turning point or a crossroads from us moving from one sign into another. This can open up another large cycle. And I've been hearing over and over again. So if I've heard anything this year, is about 2020 is this sort of transitional year. And you spoke of it beautifully. You called it the beautiful revolution. And you're in the fact is that you started about the idea of a witch speaking at a Christian, on a Christian pulpit, and how how that was you know, how that really kind of touched you. Um, can you talk about the, the article because it was so beautifully written and it really has moved me. Um, well, thank you. I, I was so moved by my dear friend Jessica who spoke at that mm-hmm. Christian pulpit, and um, Jessica in our coven, she is novice. She, you know, she plays the role representing the other witches who are certainly not um, beginners. But they're still, you know, but they're not elders. They're not priests, you know, they're not high priestesses. So she is novice within the open circle coven. And I thought she had just such bravery to um, stand in front of that congregation on Thanksgiving. Um, And she spoke so eloquently with passion and with uh, integrity and knowledge and 
beauty that I was so inspired by that because, you know, I'm old enough to remember when that wouldn't have been possible. You know, like I said, back in the nineties, you know, it was, uh, we didn't, if we went anywhere, we called ourselves Wiccans or pagans to kind of fit in more. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I've been, yeah. And, and she just said, she stood up there and she said, I am a Hecatean witch. And I thought, boy, times have changed. It's so beautiful. They, and it really inspired me. And I've mentioned like this beautiful revolution in a couple of earlier articles. Um, I had one about the necessity of Hecatean or witches specifically at this moment in our societal time, you know, and if we do talk about like the planetary influences right now, which I firmly believe do influence the events on a large scale Mm -hmm. uh, on this planet, you know, we see that we see that like a a conjunction between um, all those conjuncts and what's happening on the planet right now. And I thought there, it is a beautiful revolution in that we can be so free here we are, you know, several decades after the publication of, I guess, the first kind of books about Wicca, um, and it is a beautiful revolution that we can be more open about our practices, and I think we are exactly what the world needs right now. Now, that's not to say we're, we should go and become these missionaries, saying, you know, have you heard about our dark mother, Hecate, or, you know, the holy darkness is nigh. Um, I'm not saying we should do that, but I'm saying like those of us who seek the deeper world through the, the healing medicine that is witchcraft, we have a vital role to play. Just as Hecate, the energy of Hecate, of the dark wet wound, of the crossroads, of change and transformation, and the juncture between what can be known and what can't be known, just as, you know, that's why so many people are drawn to her right now. But those of us who identify as witches, um, that we have a role to play because we help, to, we help to create that energy of the crossroads writ large through our activities. Does that make sense? Absolutely it does. Um, and so I know you're going to be teaching some classes, like, pretty quickly here. Um, Online, right? Because you have some courses coming up for people who really want to get into that a little bit. Um, can you share that with us a little bit? Um, so, um, go ahead. I was saying. Courses I teach. Which is uh, seven lessons. Students have a year to complete them. And it takes them on mm-hmm. the journey through healing to wholeness. So, wholeness, uh, we start with healing. Then we do this deep dive into boundaries and relationships. Then we move on to sovereignty and then growth. Because, you know, when we think about spells and magic, it's really like we're creating, we're growing something. Then, of course, we move on to our connection, our connection to others and our community, but also our connection to the spirits and, um, you know, our plant allies that we work with. Then we move on to mm-hmm. abundance. And then, and then we finish with uh, wholeness and a rebirth ritual. So that's the sacred seven. It's absolutely mm-hmm. for anybody. You know, one of my, two of my core values in life are freedom and curiosity. And the sacred seven is a, a, a course, you know, that was given to me. I, I always say that it was a gift and I tend it. And my values of freedom and curiosity are really embedded in it. So there's a lot of personal freedom 
for people to continue their relationships with the spirits and deities that um, they already have or for new ones to come forward. So it's not, you know, it's not a, a course where we're, you know, where there's an emphasis on any one goddess, lots of space, or, you know, we have agnostic or purely, um, you know, witches in the class who purely just work with the energies of the sacred seven, you know, the elements and Lancian sky. So that's that class. It's a course for any, anyone. And then the other course I teach is a three-part course known as the Mistai, the path of Hecate and witchcraft. And that's like a master class that, that so the first level, the only level that's available for students to apply um, for is the red key. And it's uh, 12 lessons, 13 lessons, plus initiation, self-initiation, but we also do like a coven initiation. And, um, and that's really like that deep dive into spiritual witchcraft. We focus a lot on, uh, you know, we do a whole cycle that I call the rituals of the, the sacred cave, where we go through, uh, you know, reclaiming, releasing, that soul retrieval and the rebirth process. And we also do a lot of really um, fun learning of witchcraft, like, you know, sigil craft and botanical witchcraft and casting great spells. So that's a master class that um, really appeals to uh, witches who are called to leadership roles, like whether it's in their personal lives or they want to become a professional writer or, you know, be a high priestess of their, their own coven or something like that. So those are the two courses I teach. And next weekend on January 18th and 19th, I'm leading um, two free classes to talk about uh, the uh, system of witchcraft that I teach and uh, to lead students through a meditation and talk a little bit about um, casting effective spells and protection magic. I think that's pretty amazing. Um, and, and I do think that people, as you, you mentioned, uh, like you said, this is it. So the online course, um, where can they find this? Where can they, is it keepingyourkeys.com? Yeah, they can find it, keepingyourkeys.com. Um, they can also, I have a platform we have our own private app um, for Open Circle that can be found by downloading the Mighty Networks app on any device and then just searching for Open Circle within that app. And then once you're in Open Circle, um, you know, it becomes like an app itself. So it's a really cool project. I just really wanted to have a space um, for witches to come together where we were outside of you know, the algorithms where we could have really deep connections. So we do a lot of lives. We have a lot of, you know, chat. And really building a community is part of my soul's mission in this life, a community of witches who are finding their way to their own um, wholeness through the practice of witchcraft. And so – let me take uh, take uh, take this. I agree with you. I think that that we are building a, a tremendous community. And um, as people who, who've been following my stuff, you've been hearing me make these numerical uh, numerical predictions over the last years. And um, I've been historically correct, folks. You can check me out. And I'm still saying that now we're seeing a really 
strong movement amongst uh, the Zoomers, um, which is the youngest age, and late millennials are actually grabbing onto this. But it's, this is open for everybody. I see a lot of energy. But you can actually associate with them because in your article, you laid it out very clearly that as a child, you had imaginary friends and you loved to find things and you lived it. But when you got into teenagehood, as you call it, your self-imposed ostracization to, I guess, normality, to be like everybody else. Um, you mentioned that in your teenage years, as much as you had this sort of magical spiritual self, right? You shapeshifted, as you said, I like this, flash forward to adolescence when I shapeshifted into an acceptable form of myself to avoid ostracization. But you've always been drawn to the deep and unknowable nature. Can you talk about being a witch? So what is not focused so much in the article, but how did you make that transition to being you know, um, a witch? I mean, in that sense, you always were, but being um, more into it. I mean, really into it. From the point of view, I guess a lot of young, I know a lot of young women right now are struggling with this because they want to be acceptable. But they want to do this. I, and, I, and I think this is, you know, this is the story, right, for young women. But, you know, anyone can identify as a witch, so not just women. Um, and right. certainly other genders, you know, may have challenges as well in terms of claiming their their, their rightful title of witch. Um, I think... I want to say, you know, I always want to say to the young ones that there is like this magic spell that you can do and everyone around you will accept you exactly as you are and life will be easy and simple. But, you know, that's not how life is. Um, And I think um, specifically when it comes to the path of the witch, that you know, we are here as, you know, we cast our spells and obviously, you know, do work on ourselves. But overall, witchcraft is medicine. And it's medicine. Sometimes we are healers, whether we lead rituals, you know, or we teach classes or we do um, energetic healing work. But we also just create this medicine energy in the world, the larger world. Even when we're in the closet, the, the spirit of what we're doing gets added to, you know, that flow that's all around us. So I do think since we are called to be, you know, the wise women and others, that we do go through difficult periods of time because that teaches us what we need to know in order to really be uh, healers of ourselves and healers of each other and to bring that energy, that deeper energy, you know, to a society that is so addicted to false positivity. So, you know, that's the, you know, so it's like, I'm not minimizing. I have gone through so much fucking bullshit to get where I am today that, yeah, I probably, you know, in the grand scheme of things, there was quite a few things, Ed, that I would be happy that I didn't go through. Um, but, but here, you know, I am today and I think I'm wiser for it. And so I think the challenges are often necessary but I'm not minimizing or making light of those things at all. But I am saying to the, all the young, young ones out there today who feel so, so just drawn that, to something deep within them that says that they are a witch, you know, to that person who, I think in the article I said, you know, I see you there tucking that crystal in your bra, you know. Like see you, you know, and also, 
right? And I also see them, you know, standing in front of that candle um, and speaking a few words and then, you know, sending that energy out into the world. I see them everywhere, you know, that are drawn to that, the, the mystery of magic and finding their own personal power. So, you know, I would say for, <clears throat> for everyone who is really confined, like I was when I was young, I would say keep in mind that, you know, the witch's work is one of our minds. We create the energy through our imagination, and there is no need to kind of, you know, come roaring out of the broom closet until it's safe for you to do so. You know, do rituals entirely on, in your own imagination. The energy is the same. If what you can do is to keep that little piece of Moldavite in your bra or your pocket, do that. So just find those small bites of bravery about claiming your, your rightful truth as a witch um, and keep moving towards those small bites of bravery. But don't ever put yourself, you know, at risk of harm. Because some people, you know, are in really difficult situations where, you know, they're in homes where there's a certain religion. And to be a witch is just, you know, going to get them completely exiled. I mean, we've just been working with uh, a woman who's in a really precarious situation. And, you know, they've threatened to, like, throw her out in the street. And she's, like, in a group home. So, it, so you know, it's like sometimes the advice is to kind of just dial it back um, and get where you need to go so you're safe. And then you can kind of be a living out loud, um, you know, like I say, taking up space and speaking my truth, kind of which took me a long time to get here. Um, I always kind of knew this is where I was going once I kind of got into my career. But I had a really, really difficult time, um, my upbringing, my family were fundamentalist Pentecostal Christians. So needless to say, it remains quite a source of tension. <laughs> um, but, but, you I know, it's, that. Uh, <laughs> so, but it is about, you know, those small bites of braces, you know, whatever you can do, don't think that, you know, don't think that you need to come like screaming out of the closet. You don't. Witchcraft is not going to go anywhere and you can create the circumstances in your life because you're a witch and you create shit because that's what witches do. You can create the circumstances in your life when you can live your truth um, in a beautiful way. And I hope I inspire people to do that, uh, to, you know, to take those steps towards where they can have that personal freedom. I think that, that that was beautifully stated. So, for the record, I, as everybody knows, I identify as a witch. I also identify as a Wiccan is my tradition, as well as everybody knows me as the Pagan, which was a media name imposed upon me a very long time ago, almost 20, more than 25 years ago, um, by mainstream media when I was calling the shows, when I was a young witch out there in the world. Um, and so it's been very interesting. So, you talked this year about this being the great crossroads in the article. And one of the things I think is for people who are actually moving out into the witch world, you very much talk about true magic and fierce love. What is fierce love? That was a beautiful statement, but I'm not sure that I completely understand what you meant by that. Well, it's interesting um, because, I think sometimes when we say, you know, the world is magic and love, you know, if we say imperfect, uh, 
you know, in perfect trust and pure love. I always get those backwards. In pure love and perfect, I always say it the wrong way. I've always said for 25 years. Um, but I do too. When we, pardon me? Me too. Okay. I'll get them mixed up. It doesn't matter. So it's, it's, it's interchangeable. Um, but it's like when we say in perfect love or in pure love, I think because of our really limited societal understanding of love, that people can think that love is weakness or they can think we're talking about romantic affection or sex. Um, but what, you know, what fierce love is that love that's born of strength. And fierce love is, you know, to put yourself first, to be sovereign and take good care of yourself. And fierce love is, you know, the power of the beautiful revolution, right? It is that those small bites of bravery where you're expressing your truth. It's those, you know, those acts of maybe speaking in a pulpit or maybe like what you used to do, calling into radio shows or what, you know what I mean? Like it's, that's fierce love. And so that's how instead of uh, perfect love, it became fierce love because I wanted to inspire others to see love as something that was empowering and strong. And that through love, you know, through kindness and compassion and integrity and passion and discipline, which are the ingredients of fierce love, that we can change our own lives and through our examples and the energy we create, we can really um, contribute to fixing, you know, some of the horrible problems that we have in Western society right now. Absolutely. Thank you. That's an excellent thing. So as you said, so um, there's one more piece that I want to cover. I think that you talk about this as being getting the great transformation. And surprisingly, um, Oberon Zell on the other end of the pagan world saying that this, he shows the cycle that every 60 years we begin to see a pattern. And I find it very interesting because the 60s was really one of the great times for Starhawk and a lot of the women were starting to reclaim this tidal witch, the reclaiming groups and various others. Now I don't feel like it's so much a reclaiming of the name, but I think that you're defining, I think, very well that we have, that it's about personal defining it. No longer worrying about is it acceptable in the world, but defining it for yourself. And one of the things you said in the article that I thought was very interesting is that to beware of people who want to trick you or take away your power, um, your ability. And I think that if I understood the article right, and I could be wrong, but uh, is that really you're talking about keeping them from forcing a definition on you instead of the definition that you want to have in your heart. Can you, you know, is that, is that kind of what one of those ideas of, you know, keep preventing people from stealing your power and things like that? I think I think I actually said like be aware and be wary or something yes. like that. And yes. and I th- I think you know because we live in this time where there's so much going on and people not just witches who we're hungry to get back to our truth but just in the larger society, you know, this this really strange time that we live in where you know there's that culture of false positivity but there's also this culture of hatred. There's a lot of people who are super hungry for like a return to some kind of sacredness, some kind of something beyond, you know, just the bullshit of everyday life that goes on. And I think people will be attracted to um, witches and other, you know, highly energetic people. I mean, a lot of times we use the term empath, 
just because they're hungry for something, but they don't know what. And it's like, you know, as humans, we have a fundamental, deeply spiritual need, like in our spiritual DNA, our ancestral DNA, to be involved in the spiritual, you know, to perform rituals. And I think if someone who is a witch is emanating that energy into the world, then you can become vulnerable um, to people who are like, hey, whatever they have, and not even on a conscious thing, you know, it's a subconscious thing that they're like, that people can just be drawn to them and, and people who are, you know, not really in a good place them, themselves, either, you know, they're under their shadow energy and there's lots going on in their own lives. And I think that's why we need to be really cautious because people will present to us like they're our best friends and they only have our best interests at heart. But what's really going on is this kind of like shadow dance where they know we've got the magic and they're drawn to us because subconsciously they know they need to like return to that more sacred space, but they're in that kind of, you know, shadow, anger, fear-based spiral that we can get caught up in. So it just becomes a really toxic thing on the individual level. But on the grander scale, I was really cautioning against super prescriptive um, forms of practicing witchcraft, you know, that, and I think this is, you know, like the witch school doesn't do this and I don't do this, but, you know, it's like one of the things I hear from so many witches who come to my courses and uh, just readers and new witches is like, you know, so-and-so told me I had to do it this way and this was the only right way to do it. And if I didn't do it this way, then these bad things would happen to me. And, and I, so I was also cautioning against that because standing in our power is about learning, you know, from other schools, taking courses, whether they're from the witch school or, you know, wherever they're from, but taking courses that say, we, you know, we have techniques to show you, but they're there to empower you to find your own truth as opposed to, you know, cultish-like systems. And I think as witchcraft has just like exploded, especially online courses and, you know, all these things, there is so much, um, there's such a risk of someone who is new to the path uh, running into someone who is quite nefarious. Like I just, you know, there's some of these like these spell casters that like, you know, I'll cast you the perfect spell to get you a job or a boyfriend you know, you give me $799 for the spell and, you know, things have to be done that way. So I think there's just a lot for us to be cautious about. You know, that's why boundaries are your personal magic circle um, and why we need to really practice a, an openness, a vulnerability that's about letting the right ones in and being uh, perhaps, you know, not hesitant, but taking time to just not rush into things, um, knowing that we are powerful beings, you know, that we're, we're, we're returning to this power of, you know, wise women and other folk that as we do this, part of embracing and standing our own power is developing the awareness that, not everyone in the world is going to be uh, working in our best interest.
beautifully put. And I've been, uh, uh, Matt Oren and some of the others have been out there. Um, we've seen it on Amazon where they're hiring ghostwriter hacks to write books. Um, I've seen companies I've seen for years like do lead generation are now making Wiccan funnels. Like uh, there's a, there's a, I'm not even going to give them the name of it, but I'm seeing like, so there are a lot of people who are coming in on the trend because of the fact if you go on to, uh, and I tell people TikTok, TikTok, yes, folks, look out there. Like uh, Witch Check, which is kind of showing off their altars. It's over 50 million views so far. And, and that's impressive. So I do know that there are some what we call keyword hunters and things like that coming into the industry. And that's very separate of people who have been long practitioners who believe that they have this sort of thing. So I think, I think you're right. I think you have to go with your gut. Don't, don't believe it. And, we've, and we are an open community. So um, I think I want to leave it on one positive energy. This has all been very positive, and um, I thank you for so much on it. So how does people – I've been receiving a lot of things like people receiving dreams of Hecate. But how do you know if you're called to Hecate? Is it automatic and you're being called to a witch? How can, we, how can they tell um, that this is what they're being drawn to? Is there any signs for that, or is it just something inside of them? I think this is such a great question because I think this is probably like the number one question I get. Like I get several messages and emails every week about, I had this mm-hmm. dream about Hecate or I thought I heard a woman say, thank you. And I think it's Hecate, but how do I actually know that it's Hecate? So it's a, re- it's a really, really good question. And, you know, it is like, you will know. Um, if it is, and you will know if it isn't, but it can be really complicated, especially if you're completely new to the idea of having spirits um, directly speak to you. You know, if you're not used to that, it can be really shocking and unsettling when you have, have dreams of a woman coming to you with her large black hounds or dreams of a woman um, wrapped in snakes and the snakes bite you and you go through a spontaneous rebirth ritual in the dream world, it can be really unsettling to say the least. Um, and I would say the advice I usually give is I know this was unsettling and perhaps a bit frightening, but did you feel threatened? Cause there's a difference than, you know, there's a difference between being, taken aback by a really unusual spiritual experience and then, you know, having that very visceral fight or flight reaction that you're in the wrong place and the spirit you bumped up against is there to harm you. And I think, so I usually, um, you know, talk, which is through this process, you know, I say, were you frightened? And they'll say, yeah, it was kind of scary. She was 50 feet tall and she was on fire and her, I shot green fire beams in me and I was reduced to dust, for example. Um, and, but I'm like, did, but did you feel like she was going to hurt you? Like, was it, and I think a lot of women can kind of relate to this experience that you've been somewhere late at night and, um, you know, you've seen someone out of the corner of your eye and you have that really, that physiological reaction, like I need to get out of here before bad things are going to happen to me. So I, I usually, I ask, uh, which is if that was the reaction. And almost 
invariably it's no strange. And when I say that, they're like, no, actually, I didn't feel like I should just get the hell out of there. I felt frightened and awed by the majesty of what was happening and unsettled by the whole process. But there wasn't one part of me that had that like triggered reaction that I need to get out of there right now. Um, so that's usually kind of the tips that I give um, because it is, it can be unsettling when Hecate calls or when you return to her. And there's, of course, there's that, there's that thing where we can have these spontaneous soul retrieval or rebirth experiences in the dream time, or even sometimes in the waking, you know, our waking day. And it's like, we don't feel necessarily ready but some part of our, you know, the soul, the, the part of ourselves, the deeper part of ourselves, it's not necessarily available to our consciousness, knew it was time. So I would say on the, the level of these dreams about Hecate, and like I have so many uh, records, you know, as a researcher, I have so many records of people recounting these dreams. Um, that's what the dreams are. Just ask yourself if you felt terrified that you should get out of there or else bad things would happen and go from that position to see if the experience was legitimate and don't, um, and don't get wrapped up in the idea. Like if you, if the way Hecate presented herself to you was as a, a 50 foot um, giant with who shot green lasers out of her eyes, that, somehow that that couldn't be her because you, you know, you've seen pictures and that's not what the pictures look like because Hecate, um, well, any deity or any spirit really will present themselves to each of us how we need to perceive them in that moment. Um, it, and that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I always, Mark, Mark, we're talking about fourth and fifth dimensional entities and we can only see them from our own interfaces our own spaces. And sometimes we interpret them in different ways that they, you know, that they show it to us, but they're very vast sometimes. Um, and so, and it's been interesting. So you mentioned a lot of records that you've got. So this is something for people who, who are listening, this is not just something that's like casual. This is something that you've spent a lot of time with. You've done this really, you've done a lot of deep work to pre- present and, and to re- reach a point where you, you're able to give these sort of teachings and have real meaning for people. I mean, it sounds like you can give them real value to uh, when they take the, uh, the online courses. And again, she has two online courses for free out there. Why would you not take them after listening to this podcast? And of course she has uh, uh, more about that and online learning and learning is very important to us. So, um, so in that, and uh, it's keepingyourkeys.com, right? This is one place you can connect with that. So Yep, they can find everything there on keepingyourkeys.com. And, of course, help keep pushing her, the book, Keeping Your Keys. Um, what's the whole title of it? And where can they get your book? If specifically, if they don't do anything else, um, how can they get your best-selling book? It's done so well. Um, you can get it from most major retailers like Amazon or Book. Um, the book depository, a lot of occult and uh, metaphysical stores are stocking it now that it's become so popular. And uh, most of the major retailers should have the book. 
and you're going to hear my rant, folks. Go to your local bookstore. If they do not have it, they can order it. Remember, we have to support our small centers, so go out there, and if they don't have it, be patient. Let them order for you and give it a few days. You don't have to have the instant satisfaction of of all of that if you want to continue to have small stores in your area. So go out there. Buy it. Um, So is there anything we haven't covered that that you think that you want to touch on to? Well, I would just say that go to those small stores, and, you know, if you have to wait a while, it's a great thing. You know, witchcraft isn't going anywhere. So it'll, when the book comes, it'll be all right. I would just add that. Um, I think we've covered everything that I really wanted to, to talk about. I just would really like to mention that for those who are new, uh, just, I just, you know, like there's so many coming to witchcraft or coming back to, you know, their own truth that it's, I see you and I stand with you and we're, you know, we're in the midst of this, this change in our society and these personal revolutions. And, you know, it's a beautiful thing. It is about standing in your power and, you know, building upon what's gone before us in terms of writers like Starhawk, um, great leaders like Selena Fox and, as we go forward and as people go forward in their own lives, just to be gentle with themselves, you know, that don't worry too much about getting it right. Uh, you know, the, the, the world, the spirit world by and large wants to help you and is kind to you and just be in that moment where you can really uh, return to that sacredness within you and you'll build confidence over time. And, you know, your spells can be beautiful things, and so can your rituals. So just just uh, do you and uh, stay in your power. 